Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gauravani Pacharana Nirvasesa Srinivadi Paskachade Sitarana Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Uttapadakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitamstam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvaditam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Sri Radha Krishna Param Sahagana Ramita Sri Vishakam Vitamstra Manchakalpa Chirubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhye Bacha Patitanan Pavana Evyo Vaishnavevyo Namo Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya October 9th, 2015, Skype class from Hilo, Hawaii, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 6, Creation of the Universal Form, Text 33. Padbyam Bhagavato Yagne. Shushusha Dharma Siddhaye. From the legs. From the legs. Bhagavataha. Bhagavataha. Of the personality of Godhead. Of the personality of Godhead. Jagne. Jagne. Became manifested. Became manifested. Sushusha. Sushusha. Service. Service. Dharma. Dharma. Occupational duty. Occupational duty. Siddhaye. Siddhaye. For the matter of. For the matter of. Tasyam. In that. Jataha. Jataha. Being generated. Pura, Pura, formerly, formerly, Shudra, 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 the servitors, the servitors, Yatvritya, Yatvritya, the occupation by which, the occupation by which, Chusyate, Chusyate, become satisfied, become satisfied, satisfied, Harihi. 
The Supreme Personality of Godhead. Translation in purport by Srila Prabhupada. Thereafter, service was manifested from the legs of the Personality of Godhead for the sake of perfecting the religious function, situated on the legs of the Shudras, who satisfy the Lord by service. Purport. Service is the real constitutional occupation of all living entities. The living entities are meant to render service to the Lord, and they can attain religious perfection by this service attitude. One cannot attain religious perfection simply by speculating to attain theoretical knowledge. The Gyani division of spiritualists go on speculating only to distinguish the soul from matter, but they have no information of the activities of the soul after being liberated by knowledge. It is said that persons who only mentally speculate to know things as they are and who do not engage in the transcendental loving service of the Lord are simply wasting their time. It is clearly said here that the principle of service was generated from the legs of the Lord for the sake of perfecting the religious process, but this transcendental service is different from the idea of service in the material world. In the material world, no one wants to be a servant. Everyone wants to become the master because false mastership is the basic disease of the conditioned soul. The conditioned soul in the material world wants to lord it over others. Illusioned by the external energy of the Lord, he is forced to become a servant of the material world. That is the real position of the conditioned soul. The last snare of the illusory external energy is the conception of becoming one with the Lord, and due to this conception, the illusioned soul remains in the bondage of material energy, falsely thinking himself a liberated soul, and quote, as good as Narayana, unquote. It is actually better to be a Shudra than to be a Brahmana and not develop the service attitude because that attitude alone satisfies the Lord. Every living being, even if he be a Brahmana by qualification, must take to the transcendental service of the Lord. Both Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam support that this service attitude is the perfection of the living entity. A Brahmana, Ksatriya, Vaishya or Shudra can perfect his occupational duties only by rendering service unto the Lord. A Brahmana is supposed to know this fact due to his perfection in Vedic wisdom. The other sections are supposed to follow the direction of the Brahmana Vaishnava, one who is a Brahmana by qualification and a Vaishnava by action. That will make the entire society perfect in regard to the order of its social construction. A disordered society cannot satisfy either the members of the society or the Lord. Even if one is not a perfect Brahmana, Ksatra, Vaishya, Shudra, but takes to the service of the Lord, not caring for the perfection of his social position, he becomes a perfect human being simply by developing the attitude of service to the Supreme Lord. Padbhyam Bhagavato Yagne Shushrusha Dharma Siddhaye Tasyam Jatapura Sudro Yadvricha Tushyate Hari. Thereafter, service was manifested from the legs of the personality of Godhead for the sake of perfecting the religious function, situated on the legs of the Shudras, who satisfy the Lord by service. So we may have this conception of Shudras as being sort of useless and awful, and who wants to be a Shudra? The problem is that the vast majority of human beings have an occupation that would fit into the category of Shudra. Uh, we should note that this category is a Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, Refer to one's, as Prabhupada says, occupational duty. Your occupation, your livelihood, what you do to maintain yourself. Krishna tells Arjuna that no one can maintain themselves in this world without working. That's not possible. 
Of course, there's sometimes liberated souls like that uh, python-like devotee that Prahlad Maharaj found in the jungle who was not doing anything to maintain himself. But generally speaking, unless one is living as an avaduta, one has to have a job. You have to have some kind of job to maintain yourself. Now, this maintenance of oneself only takes place in the Grahasta ashram. Bhaktivinotakura says, wanting to have some money, I followed the codes of religion and took a wife. So if we just think about the ashram system, the brahmachari ashram means going to school. So when you go to school, Prabhupada says in the second canto, that means getting specific training for a livelihood. So in the brahmachari ashram, you're getting training for your job, just like in modern society. You're going to school to get training for a job. Then the Vanaprastha ashram is retired. And again, like in modern society, if you're retired, if your occupation is retired, you don't have a job. <laughs> you're not doing anything to earn a livelihood, and sannyas is considered civilly dead. You know, sannyas life in the modern age, I suppose, would be staying in a nursing home or something. You know, you're, you're separated from society. You're not, you know, you're, all you're doing is you're preparing for death. The main dharma of the sannyas ashram is purification of existence. Now, in the Vanaprastha and Sanyas ashram, and to a large extent in the Brahmachari ashram, one is expected only to engage in the processes of bhakti. One's not doing anything within the world. One has renounced the world. In the Brahmachari ashram, you also renounce the world, uh, but you're preparing to enter the world. So this talk about Brahman Satriya's Vaishya Shudras only applies to the Grahastha ashram. It doesn't apply to the other ashrams and it's how you earn your livelihood so this is a big question for a lot of us well how do i make my living and for those of us who are devotees of the lord how do i make my living in such a way that it helps me in my spiritual consciousness or people may it doesn't distract me from my spiritual consciousness and many devotees try to have a way of earning a living that's also connected with bhakti by selling prasadam or something like that. But the essence of what makes our occupation pleasing to the Lord, we have this here in the in the verse itself. Tushyate satisfy tushyate harihi to satisfy the Lord is if we're doing our occupation in the mood of service. And such is true even for those who don't have an occupational duty, the brahmacharis, the vanaprastas, the sannyasis. One should be doing one's activities simply to serve the Lord. It's fascinating to me that pabhyam, the feet or the legs of the universal form where the shudras are manifested, are also associated with Lord Vishnu himself. So this is explained nicely in Bhagavatam 2.10.25 and 3.26.58, possibly in other places, that each of the limbs of the Lord, of the universal form, are associated with a particular demigod, except the Lord's legs. The Lord's legs are associated with the Lord himself. And why is that? Prabhupada explains in the purport to 2.10.25. He says, the leg is the most important instrument for doing one's duties, and all of one's duties are meant for performing yajna. So without the leg, it's very hard to do any of your duties without legs. Yes? Right? But if we don't have our legs, how do we do our, our other duties? Possible. It's possible, but it's extremely difficult. So here, this is the most important instrument is the legs. How do we get from one place to another? So I want to look at what is it, what is a sudra? 
I think that there's a lot of misconception about what is a shudra, how do we define a shudra. And then we could look at the service mood in general, in all of our occupations, whatever we're doing, how do we have a service mood. And then finally, Prabhupada has this wonderful last sentence that uh, even if you're not perfect in your occupations, according to Shastra, even if you're not a perfect Brahmana, Ksatriya Vaishya Shudra, but if you take to the service of the Lord, not caring for the perfection of your social position, if you have a service attitude, you're still a perfect person. So, Srila Prabhupada says it also at the end of this purport that the function of each of these occupations is to have an ordered society that will make both people happy and make the Lord happy. So, Prabhupada here has the social view of what's called functionalism. So, if you study sociology, sociologists have different lenses through which they view the roles people take in society and how society functions. And one is called the functionalist. And functionalist says that the society is like a body, which is very much the theme of the Bhagavatam. Society in the universe is, a, is an actual body. And each person has their, each person, each group, has a role in the body like the different organs of the body. I mean, one could say that the brain is the most important organ. Uh, however, just a brain is useless. Or a heart is the most important organ, but just a heart is useless. So, uh, here Prabhupada, in reference to this verse, he's saying the legs are the most important, but just legs are useless. So that each section contributes to the overall health of the body. And again, the Bhagavatam takes this very literally, that the universal body is the body of the Lord, or sometimes the body as Lord Brahma, of Lord Brahma, as the universe, and we're all parts of that body, uh, just like just like our uh, our own little body has, you know, heart and lungs and, and brain, which is made up of living cells. So we are each the living cell in this universal body, and frankly, just like the living cells in my own brain or heart, are most likely not conscious that they are serving me. They, they really don't have that mood. They're just going about their own little life of of eating, sleeping. Uh, dividing, defending their own little life. So most people don't have this view that they're part of the universal body. So the sudras perform the function in the universal body of the legs. They basically allow everything else to function. They allow, just like the legs in a body, allow you to get from one place to another, to do your duties. Without the sudras, it's very, very difficult for anyone to do their other duties. They provide the functionality of society. So just like, you know, I'm sure we all know people who are confined to some sort of wheelchair and their ability to function becomes very limited. Right? I'm sure if you offer them the gift of walking, they would take it. Right? They're just, just being able to do simple things, you know, just to use the toilet, to cook a meal, becomes very difficult without legs. So the sudras provide the functions. So this is what kind of functions? Uh, the roads, the garbage collection, the anything that's working in society. Anything that allows society to work is done by the sudras. Uh, any materials that you need, the furniture that you have, the clothes that we have, the food that we have, it's all the med the creation of medicines, you know, the growing of the medicines. All of this is done by the shooters. Building your homes and 
building our vehicles. This is all done by the shudras. All of the functions in society are done by the shudras. The other main thing that the shudras contribute is beauty. Because none of the other occupations are concerned with beauty. So not just growing plants, but growing gardens. Not just cloth for wearing, but the, the colors and the designs and the types of the cloth, the paintings we hang on our wall, the music that we listen to, uh, the entertainment that, that uh, relaxes us and rejuvenates us. All this is provided by the shudras. You know, if, if you look at just a few hundred years ago, homes were beautiful. Now, buildings were beautiful. I mean, nowadays, perhaps they're beautiful to somebody, but if you look at the difference between the modern steel and glass architecture and just bricks, and you look at the old buildings made out of carved stone, and, and there was such a beauty. Every, everything was beautiful. You know, the, this is the glory of the Shudras. Just like now, you get this cheap furniture made out of particle board, and everybody has a chair that looks exactly the same. But if you look again, you know, you go back, you find furniture was handmade and it had beautiful carvings in it and it was, it was inlaid wood. Or, you know, now that kind of furniture is only available to the very wealthy. Interestingly enough, you know, if you go to a country like India or Indonesia, such beautiful crafted handmade items are available basically to anybody. I find it fascinating that countries that are considered very poor and they have the, this beautiful work of the shudras is available to anyone. Whereas when you go to the wealthy countries, you have to be extremely wealthy to get that same level of beauty in your surroundings. And uh, without beauty, how is your mind going to be peaceful? As Prabhupada said, a di- an ordered society gives satisfaction not only to the Lord, but also to the living entities. So when you have a society where everything's beautiful, your vehicles are beautiful, your home is beautiful, your furniture is beautiful, your clothing is beautiful, uh, then your mind becomes peaceful, right? Your, the landscapes around your home are beautiful. Uh, here in Hawaii, where having beauty in landscapes doesn't require much effort, uh, still there's you know, people on the street who simply cover their lawn with asphalt or dirt or, or gravel. They don't have any plants growing. Hello, here they are in Hawaii. But beauty of, of flowering trees. We read it throughout the Bhagavatam how the cities were full of parks and gardens and flowering trees and fruit trees. And this is all done by the shudras. And the shudras occupation, just like I'm uh, getting a new pair of glasses, so we can think, oh, that's a business. So business must be a vaisha. But no, it's they're shudras because they're, okay, I want this kind of glasses, I want it done like this, fix the frame like this, oh, you need to bend it a little bit more. They're acting in this mood of service. And basically the shudras are facilitating everything in society. They're facilitating everything in society. Without the shudras, anything else in society would be almost impossible. And the traditional shudra took great pride and satisfaction from being expert in their craft or in their in their service just like even you know what we would might typically think of as a sudra some sort of a house servant you know even today there's schools you can go to to become an expert butler and the person takes pride in doing their i'm doing my service very nicely so even a materialistic person who's a sudra 
can't function without a mood of service because that's the essence of their work. It's, it's very clear when you're in a shudra position that you're a servant. As soon as, as soon as your work doesn't involve that kind of general service to society, it's no longer in that shudra mood. The Vaishas, the Kshatriyas and the Brahmanas, they're also servants of society. However, it's not so obvious. And uh, therefore, Prabhupada says here, it's better to be a shudra than to be a Brahmana without a service attitude. It's very interesting throughout the scriptures, Chila uh, Prabhupada particularly comments, and many times the Lord himself says, you know, if you can't do devotional service for the Lord, at least do some kind of service and giving in general. Don't be a selfish person. A person's wealth is directly tied to their charity, even if it's mundane charity. And Krishna advises, if you can't take to devotional service, at least give in charity. He says in the third chapter, do some sacrifice even for the demigod. Some kind of sacrifice, some kind of giving. And the shudra has to be in that mood. They, they don't really have an option if they have a shudra occupation. It's, it's forcing them to do service. It's also interesting, Nalakuvera and Manigriva, it was Muni said that when one becomes impoverished by force, one will get some of the same benefit as those who take up poverty and austerity by choice. So the Shudra occupation is specifically intended for those who are very influenced by the mode of ignorance. And the mode of ignorance is very much all about me and me in any way that I can get it without following any kind of rules. So such persons are greatly benefited by having some occupation that involves service and involves allowing everything else to function and everything else to have beauty. So ultimately that should be done not to serve the customer and not even to just have society go well but to serve the the function of the universe and beyond that even is to please Bhagavan to please the personality of Godhead we have Bhagavato here Bhagavan the universal form is not the full form of Bhagavan so let's look briefly at the other occupations going kind of up I suppose we could say so the Vaishas are not just doing business and agriculture, but what distinguishes the Vaishas from the other occupations is they're the only ones who are generating wealth. Sudras are taking generated wealth and doing something with it, reordering it, restructuring it. Uh, but the Vaishas are actually generating wealth. So this little eyeglass shop that I went to, it's a what we call a ma and pa shop. It's run by a married couple. And, you know, it's, it's their own business, but they're not generating wealth. They're providing a service, functionality, and they're also contributing to the beauty of society by giving people various attractive eyeglasses. So that's very much in the category of Shudra. The Vaisha is generating wealth. And the Vaisha generally, generally generates wealth from land, water, and animals. That's where the Vaisha, because that's the source of wealth, the land, the water, and the animals. So the Vaisha goes to the land, the water, and the animals and extracts the wealth from them, extracts the milk and the cow dung from the cow, extracts the plants from the earth, which provide us with our food, our clothing, our medicines, our, struct, our materials for building our home, all of the raw materials of life 
So the Vaishya is extracting these raw materials and therefore they're generating all the wealth of society. You know, if you just go to, to dirt, what are you going to do with dirt? You know, not so much. But the Vaishya takes that dirt and that water and those animals and it provides everything we need for the Shudras to manipulate. The Shudras then take those things and they manipulate them into food preparations, into clothing, into medicines, into homes, into pieces of art, and so forth. But it's the Vaishya who extracts them. And Shudra's mood is that of beauty. Shudras want to enjoy beauty and, and basically pleasures, sensual pleasures. They're in charge of the sensual pleasures and they want to enjoy the sensual pleasures. And the way that the Shudras engage in service is all those things should be connected with the Lord, their music, their art, uh, their dance, their furniture, everything should remind people of the Lord. And the Vaishyas actually use their wealth directly in Yajna. They use a portion of the wealth in Yajna. Either they do it voluntarily or the Kshatriyas take taxes from them and use some of those taxes for the sake of Yajna. Also, the Vaishyas have to have a service mood, if they're actually Vaishyas, in that they see the earth as Bhumi Devi. They see the cow as the manifestation of all of the demigods. So they're wanting to serve the earth. Now again, the, the Shudras end up serving no matter what. Even if Shudras are having, you know, sensuous sexual dances and pictures, and they're still serving society. They're, they just can't get out of serving society. Whereas the Vaishyas cannot really be serving society. The Vaishyas can be uh, simply exploiting society if they're not, if they're not careful. Uh, but the Vaishyas' duty is to serve not only society, but also to serve the earth and the cow. Uh, that's, their, that's their business. So to take care of them. Now, just like one would take care of one's own mother, they see this should see the earth as their mother earth, the cow as mother cow, and even to see the particular piece of earth and river and so forth as being presided over by various deities. There was a very famous experiment done some years ago, I think in the UK, some, you know, back to the land organic farming type of people. And part of their method was to pray to the local deities of the forest and the rivers and the land. And they ended up producing incredible crops. So this was the mood of the Vaishyas. You know, if they're not very advanced to pray to the local deities, they're more advanced to pray to the great demigods and offer sacrifice to them. And even more advanced to go to the universal form and more advanced to go to the Lord himself. And, you know, here's... Here's the wife of the Lord coming with bounty in her hands, and how do I treat her? So the Vaishyas see their, um, their, their piece of earth in that way. Here's the cow coming as the representative of all the demigods. Of course, the Vaishyas can also engage in banking and in trade. Then the Ksatriyas, the Ksatriyas area of service is people, taking care of people making sure that the wealth generated by the Vaishyas is properly distributed among the population through taxation and redistribution of wealth, 
making sure that the unfortunate people in society are taken care of, making sure that everybody has some kind of an occupation, uh, making sure that the shudras have their raw material for their service, making sure that the shudras have everything that they need for their own happy life, and uh, making sure that the brahmanas can focus on their study and teaching without being asked to do anything else to maintain themselves. So maintaining the brahmanas uh, with charity so that the brahmanas don't have to be worried about money. And the Kshatriyas do this by making sure there are roads, there are schools, there are hospitals and doctors. And nowadays it would be making sure that there's water, electricity, and so forth, protecting the citizens against enemies. If the Kshatriyas see that a neighboring country is not being run properly, then they go and conquer the country and either turn it over to a proper ruler within that country or run it themselves. So the Kshatriyas are to see, they have this Ishwar above that everyone is nicely taken care of. And although you can say that service to people is integral to the Kshatriya's duty, it's again, it's not so obvious. And if the Kshatriya has the wrong mentality, then they'll see, oh, these people and their tax money is here for me to exploit and, and live opulently at the cost of the citizens, you know, to give them the minimal services while I get name and fame and adoration and, and sense gratification and you know, conquer my enemy. They see it as conquering my enemies instead of protecting the citizens. And so the Kshatriya has this the job within the society, like the arms of the Lord, of protection and care. The Kshatriyas are like a, a big father and mother to the whole society, right? And just like uh, in ordinary families, the father and mother produce children for the purpose of caring for them and providing for them. You know, it, it's horrible if parents produce children and, and sell them into prostitution or sell them into slavery in order to make money for themselves. So the modern Kshatriyas do that, basically. They uh, enslave the citizens and prostitute the citizens for their own, uh, not literally necessarily, but at least figuratively, for their own purposes, which is one of the reasons why the Kshatriyas as royalty have been taken down almost all over the world, either taken down or made into figureheads. Then we go to the brahmanas. So the brahmanas are in charge of wisdom and guidance. So the shudras are in charge of functionality and beauty. The vaishas in charge of generating wealth. The ksatriyas in charge of care of the society, fairness, justice, morals, ethics in society. The brahmanas are in charge of wisdom and guidance so that all this goes on. Just like, you know... Nothing can go on without the functions of the shudras and the beauty of the shudras, at least not very well. Nothing can go on without the wealth generation of the vaishas. Nothing can go on very nicely if the ksatriyas aren't making sure that there's care and distribution. And the whole thing is dependent on the guidance of the brahmanas. Otherwise, everybody forgets what they're supposed to be doing and why they're supposed to be doing it. So the brahmanas provide the wisdom. Hey, you're all servants. You're all meant to render service. You have a function in society for the society itself, for the universal form, for the whole universe to function, and for the pleasure of the Lord. And the Brahmanas are supposed to give knowledge of the absolute truth. They're supposed to give knowledge of the form of the Lord, of the fact that we are not these bodies, knowledge of reincarnation, knowledge of karma, so people can know what is good action, what is not good action, knowledge of cleanliness and, and medicine, the brahmanas are the doctors in society. 
guidance and care. There are the astrologers and palmists in society, which was a form of, of therapy and guidance that the Brahmanas provided. So the Brahmanas were really caring for everyone. Uh, you could say that the Kshatriyas, they're caring for everyone in a, in a physical sense and to some extent a mental sense, and the Brahmanas are caring for everyone on a mental sense and a spiritual sense. And of course, the Brahmanas also, you'd say, well, they're serving everybody, so they have to have a service move, but it's, it's not, again, it's not so obvious. The Brahmanas can just simply say, well, I'm going to gain knowledge for its own sake. No, I'm only going to associate with other Brahmanas and gaining knowledge. And we, we have a class of, of so-called Brahmanas in modern society who do exactly that. Or they can just want to enjoy the prestige of being a great scientist or a great intellectual, that everybody worships them and they, they get a lot of money for government grants. And they can, In fact, the Brahmanas can even manipulate knowledge and information simply so that they get prestige and money in society and they lose the idea of a service attitude. Many, many years ago, I remember seeing a documentary about cheating going on in the pharmaceutical industry and how these scientists have false data and false tests to say that a particular drug will cure a disease or help a disease when actually it won't. And so many thousands or millions of people become harmed or at least not helped by taking these false pharmaceuticals. So the Brahmanas can get in this sort of mood that it's all about me instead of it's all about service. So the service of the Brahmana is to provide everyone with wisdom and guidance. The service of the, the, service of the Kshatriyas are to make sure there's fairness, there's justice, there's protection, there's uh, distribution of wealth, distribution of services. Everyone has an occupation. The service of the Vaishas is to generate wealth to provide all the raw materials for human society. And the service of the Shudras is to provide all the functions of society and all the beauty of society. So then everything is in order. Right? Then everything is in order. But to do this as a Vaishnava, one does this to make the, mo- the Lord smile. You know? And that, that's not a difficult thing to understand. Whatever my function is in society, I'm dealing with the Lord's energy. I'm dealing with living entities, who are, you know, spiritual parts of the Lord, or I'm dealing with the Lord's energy. So it's all the Lord's things. I mean, like right now, I'm helping my son and daughter-in-law uh, while my daughter-in-law is taking care of her newborn baby. So I'm taking care of their ch- other children, and I'm taking care of their things. I'm washing their clothes. I'm you know, so I'm taking care of their inanimate material objects, and I'm taking care of their expansions, their children. And I'm doing both of these to please them. If I, if I do these, if I take care of their children or their home in such a way that they are not pleased, then everything I'm doing is useless, even if it's so-called expertly done. What to speak if I took care of their home or their children uh, for my own pleasure, separate from them? That would be really abominable. You know, if I started stealing their, their things, sometimes servants do this. I remember once taking my high school class, I would take them uh, sometimes to court when we would study civics. And I remember this one court case that was against uh, a cleaning lady who had stolen or who was accused, she was actually convicted, of having stolen all kinds of things. I think 80%, I think the statistic is 80% of all theft in shops is done by the employees. 
So, you know, if, if I'm here serving my son and daughter-in-law, but instead I'm just stealing their things, or if I'm taking care of the children in a way that they don't like, right? I, I remember seeing that once I was visiting a family when the wife's mother was there, and she was feeding the children candy, uh, which the parents never bought their children candy. So she bought this candy that the parents would never buy, and she's feeding it to them while they're sitting on the upholstered furniture. So the husband says, you know, listen, my dear mother-in-law, we, we don't like to give our children candy, and we don't let them eat on the, on the upholstered furniture. And her response was, well, you know, I gave it to them, so that's it. And it was it's such a disturbance in the family. Right? And I, I remember talking to one other uh, mother who has grown married children. And she said, oh, you know, I, I can do whatever I want with my grandchildren as long as my children aren't around. I don't, I don't have to respect their wishes as long as they don't see it. So such is the mood of the modern occupations is, oh, look at all this stuff. Look at this planet. Look at this world. doesn't seem to belong to anybody. Look at all these living entities. Ah, oh, they're here for me to exploit. Uh, this, is, this is here for me to enjoy, and, you know, it's survival of the fittest, and let me just take what I want. So the proper service attitude in all occupations is this is the property of the Lord, and these are the children of the Lord. Let me use it to make, them smi- make the Lord smile, to, to please the Lord. And when we please the Lord, society is also ordered and peaceful. Now, you might ask, why take all the occupations, however many occupations there are, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of occupations, and put them in these categories, a Brahman, Satya, Vaishya, Shudra? And it simply makes it easy to understand the varieties of yagya. So if I'm a Brahmana, my yajna is in the form of wisdom and knowledge. If I'm a Kshatriya, my yajna is in the form of caring for people. If I'm a Vaishya, my yajna is in the form of how I generate raw materials and wealth. And if I'm an Ashudra, my yajna is how I provide for the function and the beauty of society. Oh, okay, now I can, you know, how am I going to please the Lord in this occupation? People ask that question all the time. How do I do my work so that Krishna is pleased? So this Varna system, Varna literally means color. Uh, it's interesting, there was a very famous book about finding one's occupation. It was called, what, what Color is Your Parachute? And this idea of color, that each occupation has a different color. And the, by looking at, oh, what, what do these four big categories do I fit into? Then one can see, oh, this is my area of service to the Lord. But Srila Prabhupada talks about that even if you're not in that, in any of those categories, even if you don't care for the perfection of your social position. So one might have an occupation in modern society that doesn't really fit into one of those categories. And you may say, well, what am I doing? It's sort of Brahman Vaishya Shudra work, you know, and what, what actually is my occupational duty? You may not be able to figure it out. And the, especially for the Kali Yuga, the modern age, we're told this isn't so important. Lord Chaitanya said, this is all external. We don't really want to designate ourselves in these ways. These just ways have to do with the particular body and mind that we have in this life. They're not some eternal designation. And one can certainly work to please the Lord, even if one's occupation is not really in the Brahman Satya Vaishya Shudra, or 
if one's not able to do, even if you can say, well, I'm a Brahmana, but you can't follow the rules for a Brahmana. I have a very simple example for the Brahmana is the Brahmana is not supposed to get a salary. Actually, the Brahmaksatriya Vaisha, none of those persons are supposed to be salaried. They're supposed to be independent. They're not supposed to work for anyone else. The Brahmana lives by whatever charity they receive from the government, and whatever charity they receive from people in general. The Ksatriyas take a portion of the taxes, so their income is dependent on how much taxation comes in. And the Vaishyas, they take a, a portion of their uh, what they produce. They use part of their own food, part of their own, etc. And then they take the profit from what they sell. They don't get a salary. Even a lot of Shudras, a lot of Shudras who run their own business, <coughs> you know, this mom pa glasses shop, I'm sure they're not getting a salary. I'm sure that they, they get money depending on what kind of profit they make. So they're kind of a higher level shudra, but they're not really a vaisha, they're not really a vaisha because they're not generating wealth. And then the lower levels of shudras, they directly work for someone else and get a salary. Now in modern society, so many people get salaries. It's kind of mixed up. You know, the, the President of the United States gets a salary. His money is not directly tied to taxation. You're a college professor, you get a salary. You're a medical doctor, you get a salary if you work for a hospital. So it's really a serious problem that we can't apply these things very well in modern society. I know when we were running a school, the first school that we ran, we just simply gave money to the school. We had our own business. The second school that we ran, the school was maintaining us. And we didn't take any salary at all. We just we lived in the same building as the school and so forth. But uh, I, I remember people sometimes saying, why do you charge tuition? And I said, if we don't charge specific fees for the school, then people will say, oh, thank you for educating my child. Here's a bag of rice. You know, and that didn't work. I mean, we had a building with a $1,000 a month mortgage, and there was no question of being able to pay the, the mortgage for the school building, in which we also lived, if we just got, you know, saris and bags of rice. And... And people would, they would do something like that. You know, they'd have their kid go to school five days a week for six hours a day or eight hours a day even, because we did the morning program, you know, 23 days out of the month. And then they'd give you a bag of rice worth $20. And yeah, okay, well, here's, we, here's, 20, here's $20 worth of something for, you know, 23 times eight hours of, of educating our child. So people wouldn't, they wouldn't reciprocate in kind, and you basically couldn't live. So I got an email recently accusing one devotee astrologer, how dare he charge set fees for his readings. I, did, I didn't even respond. But I thought, they just don't understand that if you don't do that, you won't be maintained. You know, society's not ordered in that kind of a way. And Srila Prabhupada tried with the original gurukuls not to have any kind of school fees. And after a few years, he said, no, you have to charge set fees. So even some of the most traditional Gurukul schools generally charge set fees. Because otherwise it just, it just doesn't work. It all falls apart. But doing that, charging set fees, is a violation of the Shastric regulations for how to be a Brahmin. So that's not the perfection of your occupational duty. Or, you know, if you're going to be a shudra, you're going to have some beautiful craft. You're not going to be working in a factory. You know, but what are you going to do? I mean, you may have to work in a factory. 
Well, that's a violation of the principles of a sutra, which is to create beauty. But what are you going to do? And then, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate about whether or not we should take milk from commercial dairies because of the violence toward the cow. And, and I don't personally have an answer to that question. But I can say that practically everything we do in modern society is involving violence to someone. I mean, I'm using a microphone, I'm using a computer, and I'm very well aware that somebody in some impoverished condition in the world has contributed something to these machines that I'm using. So there's at least some part of the machine, if not the whole machine, that was crafted by somebody without medical insurance, without proper working conditions, uh, probably using toxic chemicals that cause them all kinds of diseases. And as soon as they get diseased, then they're just fired from their job. And this is a, a big problem we have in modern society. I mean, unless you have your own land where you're producing everything, even our farm in Hungary, where, which produces pretty much all the food for its residents except for festival days and except for rice. I mean, they're producing their own wheat, their own fruits, their own vegetables. They don't produce rice. The climate isn't suitable for it. Um, they're not producing their own clothing. Maybe they plan to in the future, but at present they're not. They're not producing their own fiber. And they're not producing um, their own medicines. Even the dairy products they produce are limited supply as far as the number of cows they have and the number of residents they have. So they're having to get some, what to speak of their own machines or, or their own building materials. They're not producing all their own building materials. So really, if you want to get away from all uh, violence in society, you would have to produce your own food, your own clothing, your own medicines, your own building materials, everything. You know, of course, in former times, it's not that any one family produced all that or even any one village produced all that for themselves, which is why part of the Vaishya's occupation is trade. But nowadays, practically speaking, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to get something that doesn't have any violence. I'm, I mean, even you go to the local farmer's market and you get some locally grown organic fruits right from a tree down the road, my God, they have to put it in a plastic bag. You know, and you say, no plastic, please. So this, it's getting away from all violence, I'm sure it's possible, but it's, it's extremely, extremely difficult. So who can have perfection in their social order is my point. You know, to, have, to be a perfect uh, sudra, uh, vaisha, satriya, brahmana at the present time, it's almost impossible. I mean, even in former ages, Krishna says there's always smoke covering fire and every occupation has its faults. He says the fault of a shudra is you may have to serve a bad master. You know, you're working for someone and the person tells you to do something that's wrong. You know, you, you, can't, you can't always just follow your conscience so you'd be out of a job. A similar situation happens in the family. You know, the wife says, well, how can I follow my husband because sometimes he makes mistakes. Well, you know, it's, it's not so sinful to make a mistake, but it's sinful to be disobedient and disrupt the social order. So you can't always have a perfect master, perfect parents, perfect husband, perfect this. So sometimes you will do things to which you may have some objection. Of course, if it's a serious objection, then uh, one is obligated to follow one's conscience and morality. But in general, everyday business, or Prabhupada said, the Vaisha has to hide their profit. 
they have they have to say, you know, I'm not making any profit for you because you're my friend, which is obviously nonsense, right? And the Kshatriyas in their military effort, in their police effort, they're sometimes going to arrest innocent persons by mistake. That that can't be helped. You know, sometimes in a war, innocent people will suffer, and the, the Brahmanas are supposed to engage in animal sacrifices. So there's there's some fault even in former ages. Everything in this world has some fault. One is not going to find purity in this world externally, and the urge to do so is due to failure. And at the present time, uh, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to have practically. You know, you, you you try to get the essence of it. You say, okay, what's the essence of shudra? Uh, what's the essence of my job? What what what's the essence of what I do, what I take care of. Let me do that in such a way that Krishna will smile. I'm not going to be able to get all the details right according to Shastra. It's not going to happen. And Prabhupada says, but if we have a mood of service, if we have a mood of service, I'm trying to please the Lord, then it's perfect. On the other hand, Prabhupada also said, you can't just do something whimsical and offer to the Lord. You can't just make up something absurd. You can't say I'm going to kill cows and, and please the Lord in that way. You know, there's there's a limit as to how much, you know, you you not want to have it all smoke and, and no fire. There's got to be mostly fire with a little bit of smoke. But the main idea is, am I master or servant? That's the main idea. Am I master or servant? And you know what? Everyone is a servant. Just like Prabhupada says, we call the devotees Prabhu, but one should not think oneself to be a Prabhu. The reason we call the devotees Prabhu is so we remember, I am a servant. I am a giver. I am not a taker. And you know, whenever we're takers, we're miserable. We're miserable. Whenever we consider, what have they done for me? How are they helping me? How are they serving me? How am I getting what I want? We immediately become miserable because that's not what we are. It's something like taking a limb of your body and twisting it into an unnatural position. It will become painful. Whenever we experience pain, it's because we're in an unnatural position. And our most unnatural position is, it's all about me. My family is to serve me. My husband is my servant. My children are my servants. My parents are my servants. My siblings are my servants. My government is to serve me. My job is to serve me. My home is to serve me. Everything's about me, everything. And then we're miserable. But rather, I am to serve the whole. I am to serve the whole. When some cell in our body stops trying to serve us, it becomes cancer. And the cancer can eventually kill the whole body, including those cells. So once, as soon as we think everything is about me, we become a cancer in the social body. We become a cancer in the universal body, only causing pain to the world. And Prabhupada makes the point in this purport, you're not going to find perfection just through realizing that you're a soul. You're not going to find perfection just through detachment and through philosophy. You're only going to find perfection by this service mood. And if you want to see the service mood, look at a shooter. The essence of a shudra's occupation must be service. So the, the shudras epitomize that service, and therefore the Lord himself 
is in charge of the legs of the universal form. So questions or comments? Go ahead, Mataji, we can hear you. Okay, it was a really nice class. Thank you very much. And the worst was exceptional. I just want to share something, two things quickly. Uh, one is Bhakti Vidya Purna Maharaj very much emphasizes that the uh, Vaishyas have to be kept in line by the Kshatriyas because at, at, in any given age, uh, very few Vaishyas will get, you know, beyond contaminations because that's the whole idea of Kshatriyas, how they keep them in line. It's very... Uh, strong point on that. Another thing is, this verse is just perfect. Uh, I was just giving a weekend seminar on understanding Devi Varnashram and there was a big commotion right at the beginning because people are coming in, like you mentioned, you know, oh, I don't, I'm not a Shudra and not, why is this divisions and what's this all about? And um, of course, my presentation starts with this about the confusions and uh, why we are not able to implement it. And this is one of the main things that nobody wants to be categorized in that way. And so I kept on emphasizing the whole point of what was in your class today is uh, we are trying to be Das Anudas Anudas. And then with the Hare Krishna mantra, the chanting and all the sadhana bhakti, along with that one we can become purified. And this is, um, that's the whole point. So this is why this verse is very uh, dear to me for that particular reason, because it explains, and you explain so nicely, that this is our whole mood of service and everybody wants to. So then, uh, then the whole thing completely changed uh, over for better. And uh, then we understood that, yes, we are not going to give up our bhakti or service. It's just a question of uh, a varna or any particular service we can do. So thank you very much, Mataji. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Anybody else? Um, you know, one of the words in the Sanskrit I immediately uh, was, uh, I noticed was shushusha, mm -hmm. and it looks just like the same word that's all over the Bhagavatam for hearing very intensely. Mm. Did you notice that? I did notice it. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have the time to, to research it. But I did notice it, and I was thinking, oh, I, I really need to take, I told you right now, I'm, I'm extremely busy in my life. But uh, I looked at it, and I thought, oh, that would have been a really interesting word to focus on and go into what does that mean, and, and why is that being translated here as, as service. Anybody else? No, no, you're, you're on mute. We can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, great class. You know, one of the things that um, I guess I've learned the hard way in, in our society is that kind of in the beginning, you're 
obviously a servant. You come in and you're doing menial things, and then gradually there's some sort of social um, uh, progression higher up. You become a, a temple commander, you become a president, you become a regional secretary, you become a sannyasi, you become a guru. You... The, the contamination for me was that you kind of forget that you're a servant and you start to think that others are there serving you and um, it's refreshing to discuss this because the more elevated in one sense socially we come in our society we should really see it as 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 greater facility to become everyone's servant and uh, because by serving the devotees that's the best way to, the most efficient and effective way to serve Krishna. Yes. Anyway. Yes. There's, this is the, the danger, which is why Prabhupada's saying here, it's better to be a Shudra than a Brahmana without a service attitude. Because a Shudra has to have, they, they are serving. <laughs> Even if they don't have a service attitude, they're serving. Whereas the Ksatriya... But the most elevated people in our society, socially, it's really healthy when we realize that that, I, uh, that what a great facility I have now to serve everyone yes. rather than to accept service. Absolutely. It, it, anyway, I, I learned the hard way. Absolutely. It's much, much, much better. And, you know, it's getting in some... You know, Krishna needs people in positions of leadership. He needs people in positions of management. He needs that. And when his devotees take that on, it's very glorious. But it's also very dangerous. And I believe that one of the many, many reasons for the Vanaprastha and Sanyas ashram is you get out of your Varna. You know, we look at the Kshatriyas in the Bhagavatam, they all get out of their Varna. They, they, they retire. And they re one of the reasons the Kshatriyas are so eager to have a son is that the sun then takes over and then they can retire. So this is the, the basic principle. When Bhakti Siddhanta took sannyas, he immediately stopped being an astrologer or a teacher. He had been a tutor for some royalty's children and he had been an astrologer. He gave that up immediately. So, you know, the traditional sannyasi, I mean, we've, we've made our sannyasis I'm sorry to say, into a kind of king. You know, we call them Maharaja, and we often make them into a kind of king, living in palaces with, you know, I, mean, I don't want to get into it. But anyway, we, we, we've sort of done that to some extent, and I think that that's um, dangerous. The idea is that by age 50, at the absolute latest, that one says, okay, now I'm going to go back to austerity and renunciation. The youthful time of life, 15 to 40 to 50, you know, 25 to 50, is when this urge to be the master of the world is strongest. And if it's not engaged in, in some kind of way, properly it will be engaged improperly. I mean, I'm convinced that a lot of the people who have an occupation of criticizing devotees and criticizing ISKCON, that that's their, that's their, what they do for eight hours a day, very literally so, that they're just frustrated Ksatriyas. 
you know, people who are supposed to be working for fairness and equality and justice and morals and ethics, and they don't have any outlet for it, so then they, they just end up becoming critics. So in this youthful time of life, this urge that, you know, I am the master of the world, I'm going to change the world. I mean, come on, we all remember when we were teenagers, we probably felt like that. How am I going to change the world? How am I going to reform society? I, I'm, I'm going to make a difference in the world. It, it's so strange. Along with this idea that I want money, that I want um, a romantic partner, etc., etc. So, okay. You know, do it. Go into the Grahasta Ashram, have an occupation, but do it as a service. And then, even doing it as a service, give it up. Go back to being simple. Go back to, to the, your training as a student, to being austere. Go back to this mood of, I'm only going to engage in the nine processes of bhakti. And like Prabhupada, it's interesting in Prabhupada's life how his business failed. And instead of being able to use that money in preaching like he intended, you know, Prabhupada said he was practically pushed into Vanaprastha life and how his guru practically forced him to take sannyas. I mean, of course, Prabhupada is Prabhupada. He's not in that category. But he's showing us how the Lord sometimes acts in that way. I have, one of my god brothers had a very successful business with his wife. And at one point his business failed and he... There was nothing he could do to revive it, and so he just spent all day reading the Bhagavatam. And a month later, he ended up just passing away. He just died in his sleep. So sometimes Krishna, by force, if we don't go back to this humble servant position, he says, hey, get back there. You're a servant. Get off the seat. Get off of this and just become a servant. And that's very much the Lord's mercy. But that's true. Like I said, even if one does have the service attitude in one's occupation, at a certain point, that's no longer the service the Lord wants us to do. It doesn't, it doesn't match our, our life anymore. And one goes back to even externally taking a very, very humble role, even if as a vanaprastha or as a sannyasi, one's a teacher of society, one's no longer really acting as a brahmana. Uh, one's, one's only teaching bhakti, and one's teaching bhakti in the mood of a servant. Uh, so one has to be very, very careful. Thank you very much. Anybody else? We take one more. Yes. Yes. I uh, often heard the term uh, regarding sannyas. This is not directly the, on the issue, but just in the light of what is sannyas, that Srila Prabhupada had mentioned battlefield commissions. In lieu of that, I asked a very senior sannyasi about this idea. And it turns out that there are four stages of sannyas, obviously, which we read in Sastra. Yeah. But there are also three types of sannyas. Mm. One type of sannyas is called Guru Seva Sannyas. That's a person who may not have even come out of Anishtita Bhakti. But in their desire to serve Guru, they may say, I'm willing to sacrifice family, uh, uh, not material life in whole, but the social dynamics of material life. I may sacrifice all of that to utilize my full energy to serve Guru. Mm. Though that platform is not based on realization, the Guru may himself accept that as what Srila Prabhupada mentioned as battlefield commissions mm. for the savor of Guru Ranga Guru Varga 
to preach the message of Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. Another type of sannyas where, where is, is a person who. Where is this listed? What's your source for this? Actually, I had asked a question to a senior sannyasi because I had never read anywhere by Provocharyas the term battlefield commission. So that was my original question. So now I'm just quoting this sannyasi's description of what Srila Bhakti Saran Saraswati mentioned about sannyas. I'll try to find, by the next meeting, I'll try to find the article or what source that was. Um, but he mentioned this thing about Guru Seva Sanyas. Because I didn't understand Battlefield Commission. I thought Sanyasi meant you realize. But he's saying, no, not all Sanyasis are realized like that. Uh, and the ones who are, that's also called Sanyas, genuinely. If someone coming from a Sakti Tabhav, anything, and their consciousness doesn't permit them to have interest in material life, social life, they may either take sannyasa ashram, or if they're going to be bhajanandis, they may take nirupadi vaishnavesh and practice strictly bhajan. And sometimes we'll see that two things may happen, like Bhakti Saraswati, of course, in the beginning, uh, he was doing one million names, or I can't remember the exact number, before the disciples of Bhakti Thakur appealed to him to please come out and save the Vaishnav Dharma at that time. Of course, he took sannyas from the photo of Srila Rokashodas Babaji Maharaj and his, the whole Acharya Leela of Bhakti Sanatsarasati Thakur began. But I'll find that source, but it was very informative for me. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm mostly interested in, I, I haven't heard that before. So I'm mostly interested in what the the source is. I've heard of the four stages of sannyas, but not the three kinds of sannyas like that. So uh, I, as far as does taking sannyas mean you're already pure, uh, Prabhupada does say that one should not take sannyas unless one's already fearless. I don't think that one needs to be... that the traditional Varnashram sannyas involved being you know, at the, at, at a pure devotee, however one wants to define a pure devotee. But it does, if you're not fearless, you can't take sannyas. So if you're afraid, how am I going to live? How am I going to be maintained? How am I going to get money? You have no business taking sannyas. Because then what will happen is, as a sannyasi, you'll end up doing things to make a living. You know, you'll collect disciples to make a living. And you'll just be a disturbance. So it's far, far, far better. Like Robert says here in the purport, it's better to be a Shudra than to be a Brahmin without a service attitude. It's better to stay in the Grahasta Ashram lifelong than to take sannyas and be fearful about maintenance. It, it, that, that's simply a disturbance. And also, one should not, one should make, not take sannyas if one's distinguishing between men and women. You know, that's not the business of a sannyasi. Is, is, has to be free of this attraction to, to the opposite sex. So if one is saying, oh, here's, I mean, for practical purposes, you have to be able to say, here's a man, here's a woman. But one should not be making some distinction between men and women as a sannyasi. One should not be engaged in those sort of uh, meditations. So those things should be there, and that should be accomplished during the Vanaprastha ashram. So the Vanaprastha ashram is, is a bridge between the Grahasta ashram and the Sanyas ashram. I mean, we've had many people who jumped right to the Sanyas ashram, which didn't work out well for many of them. But this bridge in the Vanaprastha ashram, you give up your occupation, 
you give up, you know, your family business, you're living away from society, you're going to holy places, and you get the faith that Krishna will take care of you. You gather that faith that Krishna will take care of you, and you get the detachment from sex life, as gross and subtle. You get this, you get this detachment from seeing the world as, as made of, of sense objects, even in the form of people. And when, that's, when you're there, when you no longer are afraid about maintenance and when you're no longer attracted to the opposite sex, that doesn't mean no thoughts ever enter your mind. But it's like rivers going into the ocean, which is, which is not disturbed by the rivers. And then you're qualified to take sannyas. But do you have to be a pure devotee? No. In fact, one could be like that even as a sakama devotee. I'm sure in Vedic times, many Sakama devotees took sannyas. I'm sure many Mayavadis, many impersonalists took sannyas. So it's, and being free from fear about maintenance and being, uh, you know, practically free from attraction to the opposite sex, those two things don't make you a pure devotee. They make you fit for, this, for the sannyas ashram, but they don't make you a pure devotee of the Lord. So I think equating the sannyas ashram with pure devotional service it doesn't really make sense according to Shastra. Uh, first of all, you can be a pure devotee in any ashram. And sannyas is basically preparation for death. And if you're, not, if you're not free of the desire for sex and money, how are you going to have an auspicious death? It's just not going to work. Even on a material level, it's not, it's not going to bring you some place of auspiciousness. Okay, thank you very much. Shila Prabhupada Ki Jai.